0: Welcome to the Soul Talks Podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello,
1: friends. Thanks so much for joining us on the Soul Talks Podcast, where we seek to elevate conversations into intimacy with Jesus and soul care for you and the people that you love and serve. It's a blessing to have you in our community, and today we're going to talk about uh, the issue of domestic violence. Uh, This is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, October, if you didn't know, and it's a very valuable emphasis for all of us to think and pray about and do what we can to Uh, Stop domestic violence wherever it might be around and be careful, uh, more broadly speaking, all of us who are in positions of service and influence and leadership, which is everybody listening to this podcast, you probably have uh, kids or grandkids or lead a small group or pastor a church or serve as, as a coach or a mission leader or in some other aspect of ministry. And so you have influence. And so Jesus says to us in leadership that we not lord it over those entrusted to us, but that we... We carry a towel like he did, and that we be servants, that we use our authority and the power that we have to be gentle with other people. And as we were sharing uh, last week, talking especially to, to pastors, we were saying that this is what most pastors are like, and we are so thankful that we get to be in relationship with pastors. Uh, and what we have on the on the landscape of human history, including in our churches and even sometimes within Christian leadership is abuse and mistreatment and disrespect of people. And so uh, we just especially want to talk about that today. And uh, many of you listening have uh, been violated. You've uh, survived a situation of abuse that was really damaging to you physically, emotionally, sexually, and you have wounds from that. And so we especially want to be talking to you. Uh, Many of us are ministering to people like this. We, we know people who have been violated, and so we do all that we can to be aware, to be prayerful, and, and to learn. This is a topic that we cover in some depth in our Soul Shepherding Institute because we're working with uh, shepherds who are leading and caring for others, and uh, every Sunday in church there are many people there who have been ab- abused, and they might even be being abused in that very moment, so um, being aware and concerned and learning how we can be helpful is a big deal.
0: And I've talked to people who have been under the care of others in their church who haven't recognized the cycle of abuse that they're caught in and have actually even encouraged them to go back into it. And so I think it's important that we talk about and we understand there is a cycle of abuse. It's it's an emotional, relational dynamic that can happen And can be very strong and very entrapping. And so it was so helpful for me to learn and to come to this understanding. And I think about how different my life would be if I didn't learn about this. Because I was in an abusive relationship when I was a teenager. And I ended up in that relationship unaware that I was caught in a cycle of abuse. And thankfully, my mom recognized it. And she sent me a book she asked me to read. And as I read that book, and then as she spoke to me, she helped me to identify and come to start to begin to learn that I was in an unhealthy relationship. Now, that book in and of itself, and her talking to me in and of itself, isn't where I learned all of the language and the understanding of the cycle of abuse. I got continued further understanding of it as I was getting my doctorate in psychology. And then as I was working with clients, and I was seeing these cycles as well. And so we've come to understand deeper the cycle of abuse. It's one of the things that we teach in our soul care ministry. And that's also in our soul shepherding network. We have several tools in the soul shepherding network that are just easy, handy printout sheets and diagrams, short, practical tools for ministry because we want to equip all of you, our soul shepherds, you're all ambassadors for Christ and you're all going to be in relationship with people and to have tools to know how to better love them and cooperate with what Jesus is doing in their life. And that's one of the benefits of the Soul Shepherding Network is when you get more specific tools and training accessible to you right when you need it.
1: So much of what you're bringing up, Christy, is just highlighting the importance of awareness and uh, self-awareness and finding language about, in this case, domestic violence, uh, experiences of abuse. Because when we when we have words for things, when we understand the dynamics for like, as you're going to teach us this cycle of abuse, then it it opens our eyes, it, it opens our hearts, and then we, we have choices now that we can make. Yeah. Because so much of the pain that gets perpetuated in, in relationships and uh, in our families and in our churches and, and throughout our society is because we don't, we don't realize what we're doing. It's like there's unconscious pain mm-hmm. in, in our characters. There's unconscious sin in our characters. And so we're inflicting on each other without even often realizing what we're doing. And so we need to heighten the, the awareness. We need to find the language, find the words. And then as you're saying, get some, get some tools to deal with things differently so that we, we do it in love, God's love and respect for one another.
0: So important. One of the things that keeps the cycle of abuse going is the secrecy because people avoid it because it's uncomfortable and they're scared and they don't really want to see it or they don't really know what to do about it. If they do see it, or maybe they feel that it's hopeless. If you're in trapped in the cycle of abuse, you feel like it's entrapping and you feel alone and you don't know that you can actually reverse the cycle of abuse. And that's that's what we teach in the Social Shepherd Institute on this little we, we just give a portion of our teaching on reversing the cycle of abuse because it can, that's the good news. It can be reversed, but we have to understand it. We have to identify it. We have to see it. And in all of our lives, there's different systems that we get caught in. These systems sometimes are, feel bigger than us and we start to feel hopeless, and like we're just at the mercy of the system and we can't get out. And so like you said, being able to identify that there is a way to get out and that Breaking the secrecy is important, and having the help of others. We need other people. We can't get out of a cycle of of abuse alone. Usually we need somebody who's outside of that cycle to help us. So the, the cycle of abuse often starts where there is a charming by the person who ends up being the person in power to abuse. And the person who ends up the victim usually is... Is won over by the person who's in the position of power, and there's usually a lot of strong emotions, a lot, a lot of good feelings, a lot of feelings. The, the victim feels very special, very chosen by the person that has has the power in the relationship, and things can be going along very well. And then all of a sudden, tensions will begin to build, conflicts will begin to come up, pain points will start to come up because the, the person who has the power will start to use that power in very selfish ways in very manipulative ways in very hurtful ways that, that demean the person who went from feeling very special to now feeling very used or very controlled or uh, very hurt. And so tensions begin to build, and then they build to the point where the person in power will abuse that power in a very damaging way. It might be physical, it might just be emotional or verbal, really shaming, controlling, manipulating the other person. And after the abuse, when the abuse really hits a place of so much pain and crisis that the the victim wants out and wants to separate from the abuser, then the abuser tends to Come really strong with guilt and gifts and uh, words of apology and look can look to be very remorseful and goes back to wooing back the trust of the victim with all those all that charm that lured him in in the first place. And so this is the cycle of abuse. You, you get these these calm times in the relationship where things are feeling good. It's Both people are benefiting well. They're kind of in collusion with the benefits that they're both getting. And then those tensions build. And then the abuse happens by the person with the power. Sometimes it's provoked, though, even unconsciously or consciously by the pain of the victim. And then the cycle of remorse again and the the building up of the, the false remorse because there isn't ever a true repentance and a true getting help there. That's the cycle of abuse we can get stuck in. But there's hope. We can reverse it. And one of the ways that we reverse it is when the abuse happens, the victim has to seek help. If the victim remains alone in the cycle of abuse, there's not going to be help. Uh, The same, if the abuser, when they are in that point of the guilt, if instead of just relying on the guilt and the gifts, if they get help for true repentance then that can reverse the cycle of abuse. So there's two ways to get out. They both involve seeking help. They both involve taking responsibility for yourself in the cycle of abuse.
1: And speaking the truth about the experience and looking to someone who has knowledge and ability to to be supportive and to provide guidance and to to help with other things you're gonna talk about in terms like setting boundaries and uh, implementing changes.
0: Exactly. When you, when you get, when you recognize it, when you don't continue to buy into it and participate with it, when you take responsibility for yourself and your part in this dynamic, even if you're the victim, you have a part of it because you're allowing it and you're staying in and you're, you're protecting often the victim will be protecting the abuser from the consequence of their, their actions and usually they, they will have mixed motives for that. There'll be some unconscious motives for that. And there'll be some motives that are a result of believing lies that the abuser can use. So in my case, in the relationship I was in, where I was being emotionally abused, I was so worn down. I really actually believed what the, my boyfriend was telling me, that nobody but him could ever love me. He had me so torn down to the point that I, I believed that lie. And it was only when my mom was able to see and identify the control that he had and how he had torn me down so low to where I believe, I actually believed that when she identified that, that she was able to confront that and help me to see, no, that that's not true. But I was convinced it was true.
1: And what, part of what you're saying here that's important, Christy, is that there's an ambivalence and that you, you experienced that ambivalence, that there was a part of you that liked the attention that you were getting from him.
0: Very much. He made me feel very, very special.
1: And so you were ambivalent, that part of you wanted out, mm-hmm. but part of you wanted to stay in.
0: hmm Yes. And that grew. Both of those grew. The part that wanted out grew, and the part that wanted to stay in grew, because the more I was invested in him, the more I I wanted to stay, Mm -hmm. and then he began to manipulate that and threaten me with all kinds of threats that then made me fear, like I couldn't get out, because I was so afraid that he would kill himself, that all these horrible things would happen if I got out, and that was intentional you know, on, on his part.
1: Yeah. It's just so many churning emotions that you were having. Uh, this is while you're in college. And so it's in many ways, a, a great time of life. And there are many things about college that are, uh, the, the world is your oyster, so to speak. And there's just lots of new experiences and things that you're learning and experiences of community. And in your case at a Christian college, a lot, lots of discipleship experiences. And so, uh, and then this was really, uh, clouding all of that and si- siphoning off a lot of your energy, pre- preoccupying you and you were swirling in all these emotions.
0: Oh, I was. And I had so much shame. I didn't want anybody to know mm. about this relationship either. So I think that kept me more vulnerable because I wasn't talking to anybody. I wasn't sharing with anybody what was going on in my relationship with my boyfriend. They they only saw the outside and it looked good And so they assumed that it was all good.
1: Sure, people see you going out on a date and you both Mm -hmm. are dressed nice and you're happy to go have some experience together. And he's a good looking guy and Mm -hmm. and basically a sharp, uh, good person. He's not like a bad, mean person. He's just got a a side of him that's out of control he doesn't even intend to be doing that is abusive in the ways that you're describing.
0: Right, He he was a victim of divorce in his family. He had a lot of emotional needs. And this, this was a result of that and his trying to get those needs met in unhealthy ways and, and me trying to meet those needs. And that was the other part of it is that there was a part of me that was trying to rescue him Mm -hmm. as well. And so these are complicated things. There's a lot of dynamics here. And I had to wake up to some of those unconscious dynamics that I wasn't realizing. And I needed the help of others to do that. A class that I was taking on communications at the time at at college was really helping me see the unhealth of the relationship and get some articulation. Uh, Seeing another person, another friend of mine in an abusive relationship and being able to have an external objective view on that and identifying, oh, some of that is true in my relationship. Getting my mom's perspective, which she got because she saw the change in me. She saw the way that he was destroying me because she was close enough. I couldn't hide from her. And then also spending time where she was getting a a view over time of watching the dynamic between us. And so all of those things were, were gifts that were helpful that kept me from being so isolated that I couldn't get the support I needed to get out.
1: So, one of the things that's happening here is that along the way in in your process you're realizing that you're you're like not just a trapped victim or you're not just like the insecure needy one but you you have some power you you have some uh influence on him uh some ways that you're trying to help him, but even more importantly you have you have some freedom of choice it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. But you do, and so finding that voice, finding your boundaries, uh, practicing that and strengthening those boundary muscles, and you needed some help with that also.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that happens in these abusive relationships is the person with the power tries to isolate you, and that is what also what happened to me, so that he was the only person in my life that knew anything and had any any power, and that's so dangerous when we get isolated in a situation like that. So part of reversing the the cycles, we need to start finding other people outside the relationship that we can trust, that we can be honest with, that we can depend on, that are are there for us. And then we need to do some education ourselves, and, and to get the words and the articulation of what is happening and and how it is abusive and where then we need to have the courage to look inside, okay, what is my part of this? And where do I need to learn to set boundaries and stop being complicit in this? And so getting help, getting words, learning, understanding to communicate is really key if we're gonna be able to get out of the relationship. And then there needs to be a, a part of of repentance, of of taking responsibility for the parts our sin, our our bad choices that get us there, and and from and even
1: even you like your insecure emotions and unmet needs and kind of where you're taking those and and the and being more wise about that, more judicious about that.
0: Yes, and even ways that I was putting too much importance on this relationship to the point that it was really getting in the way of my relationship with God mm-hmm. too. There's and, like and,
1: a subtle idolatry mm-hmm. there.
0: Exactly, there there was, and so I had to I had that was mine to repent of. And to own. And then, when we're getting, if we're going to heal the relationship, if both people in the abusive relationship do this work, if they each do this work of seeking health, taking responsibility, learning their part, then there, there sometimes can be a reversing within the relationship. And there can be healing if both people really do that work of remorse, really do the work of empathy, and really being able to have empathy for each other. Both people recognizing their part and how that that hurt or set up the other person, and then making of amends there because the
1: amends proves it. That's that's the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And mm-hmm. sometimes we can have remorse and conversations that feel like okay, now we're, you know we're back on track and we're, we're together and this isn't going to happen again.
0: That's but, the gifts and guilt cycle, yeah. but that's in the, the abuse. But re- remorse and true repentance with empathy and ownership and responsibility and, a, and an amends that's changing, changing yeah. the dynamic.
1: So the amends is the behavior change that you see over time, and that's mm-hmm. really key.
0: That's really key, and that that has to happen for there to be true reconciliation and forgiveness work. If you can't, if, if it takes both people to do that work of reconciliation.
1: Yeah, one, one person can break a relationship, but it takes two to make a relationship Loving and respectful.
0: Yes. And if both people aren't taking responsibility, if both people aren't seeking help, if both people aren't repenting, if both people aren't having empathy for the other one as well, and receiving empathy from the other one, and there isn't that amendment work, the reconciliation can't happen. And you're just going to have to exit the relationship. That's why the New Testament
1: says, if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, make peace with all people. We, I can be peaceful, but that doesn't mean people I'm in a relationship with are going to receive that or participate in that. And So sometimes I need to have a boundary and uh, stay out of a relationship that is dishonoring or abusive or taking me away from God's call for my life or God's best purposes. And And Jesus himself does that. There's times that he says no and he sets boundaries, and that's just real important that we're able to do that, especially for someone that's uh, in a situation of an abusive relationship like you're talking about. God, God is never on the side of someone staying in an abusive relationship where what they're experiencing is is fear, insecurity, shame, trembling. They're trapped. They're losing their dignity. They can't get out. That That, that is not when, when Jesus says to turn the other cheek or love your enemy, he's not talking to someone in that position saying, you know, j- just take it and get ground into the ground because you're worthless anyway.
0: No that's absolutely right, and that's an important message there's also though times when people will stay in an abusive relationship because they want to protect the other person from the consequences of this being exposed and Jesus isn't asking us to do that either and that that happens a lot especially if the person in the position of power who's in the position of doing the abuse is someone who has a really Good reputation, public reputation, or maybe they're in some ways they're really doing a lot of good. And if if we are being abused by them and we raise the alarm, a lot of that good is going to suffer too. Yeah, a lot of other people are going to be hurt.
1: The way to raise that alarm, Jesus says, is to go to that person. Now, if there's a power differential and you're in this position of abuse, then you're going to need support to do that, but. Otherwise, we, we we go to that person, we give them feedback, we give them a chance, and we we try to work it out. And if that doesn't go well, then we bring somebody else in. That's what Jesus teaches in Matthew eighteen, and that's that's called conflict resolution. And we we hope towards a, a reconciliation.
0: And to just have empathy for the person who is being abused. This is a very it takes a ton of courage. To do this Mm -hmm. takes a ton of courage and a ton of strength. And it's very hard to do because being a victim of abuse makes you feel very ashamed. And that shame leads you towards isolation and it leads you towards hiding and not wanting other people to know. Because if you set boundaries to exit the relationship then and and get help, then you're going to be confronted with your part. And there's going to be friends of the abusers who are going to hate you and are going to make you pretty miserable and are going to lie about you as well and slander you. So this is not an easy thing to do.
1: Sometimes it it seems to go worse for the victim when they speak up. So it's a very uh, delicate, uh, careful uh, situation with need for support and prayer and support from someone who has capacity and strength.
0: Absolutely, I would not have been able to get out of that abusive relationship if it hadn't been for my mother. But knowing that she was there for me, championing me, that she wouldn't abandon me, that she had my back, that she wasn't blaming me, she wasn't angry at me, she wasn't going to reject me and cast me out, but that she was really willing my good, that gave me the strength and the courage to do the work that I needed to do. The fact that she saw it. Nobody else saw it. Nobody else knew, but the fact that she saw it, she let me knew she saw it, and she let me knew she, and that she, you know, she told me I needed to get out. And I remember saying to her, "I know, but I can't."
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I I need you to help me, and she heard me because when I when I said that, she responded, and she gave me help. Yeah. She, she couldn't do it for me though.
1: You had to make the choice and yes. take the hand that was reaching out to you from yes. her and take the tools she had tools to give you in addition to just her, her care and her prayers which were huge and her her insight into what was going on which was huge but she she had some equipment she had been had some training some knowledge that really helped you
0: yeah but i would also say that even after i helped her even after i acknowledged it she confronted me this relationship's abuse abusive you need out and i said i know and i can't will you help me even after that and she started to help me there were many times when I ran to his arms. Mm. There was there was battle there for some, a number of months, even after I'd said, I know when I want help, help me to get out. There were times when to her it would have looked like I didn't want
1: help. Right. She had to persist mm-hmm. because you were you were caught. Mm-hmm. You were trapped in the yes. cycle of abuse and yes. there's, there's habits here.
0: Neural it, pathways, habits, all kinds of cost to me that... I was facing all kinds of fears I was facing.
1: Yeah, and, and so part of what's going on here is that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so your abuser is not just like a, a mean person, period, because we've talked about this. He did do mean things, but uh, he was hurting too. He was
0: really hurting. He uh, was really broken, yeah.
1: And that's important to say for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because that, that's understanding that dynamic That there is insecure, the person who is angry or shouting or manipulating or controlling has a fearful, insecure Mm -hmm. part on the inside that's hiding.
0: Yes. And I knew that part of him, which is part of what kept me in, because I really did, I genuinely did care for that hurt, suffering, lost, lonely little boy. And I had seen that. And it was my empathy for him that. Sometimes kept me from setting the boundaries that were healthy
1: right, and so that's the surprising part in this abusive relationship is that is there was a an opposite thing going on where like you had some power and there was some codependency here, definitely you had this intuition, mm-hmm. this insight, this mm-hmm. tremendous compassion, a resourcefulness to, to be caring for him and yes. helpful to him that gave you a sense of power
0: uh-huh.
1: and so, so that while there's good intentions in that, that's part of what was trapping you definitely. And part of what was trapping him. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's the way it works in these relationships. There usually is codependency in the relationship. And so I had to, I had to look at my part and recognize that in order to get out.
1: Well, um, that'd be great, Christy. If you could just, uh, offer a prayer for our listeners, just knowing that some of our listeners are in this cycle or they know somebody who is, and, uh, before Christy does that, let's just re- remind all of you, we want to help you with this in soul shepherding. We have spiritual directors and coaches on our staff who are available to you. We have tools in our soul shepherding network that you can learn about on our website that will help equip you in all things related to uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual health for you personally and for the people that you care for and serve. Jesus,
0: we just thank you and praise you that you have empathy and compassion and love and grace for anyone who's caught in this cycle of abuse. That you experienced abuse. You, the perfect, sinless son of God. And Jesus, you are our strength. You set boundaries. And you are with us, each one of us, leading us into your truth. So I pray, Lord, for our listeners, those that are in cycles of abuse, or those that are in relationship with people that are, that they would find strength in you and that you would provide soul shepherds, Lord, ambassadors of you, to be able to be a source of help for them, strength, wisdom, guidance, a place where they can step into the light, be honest about what they're experiencing, find words to articulate it, resources that they need, knowledge that they need, protection, Lord, for those who are being abused, and help, Lord, to lead those who are abusing to repentance, to healing, to growth. Lord, that your people would be strengthened in holiness and wholeness in you. Thank you, Jesus, that this is my story because of your grace and your mercy to me and how you've made me a wounded healer. Speak hope, Lord, to those who need to hear that, that that can be their story too, because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.